guys, welcome back to the Wellside Podcast. We are back to talk about what it means to follow Jesus in a post-Christian culture. And I am here at home with my wife, and we are going to talk about a subject that is uh, a cause of a lot of disagreement and has a lot of different, maybe, perspectives. Um, And that is the question of men and women roles. What are the differences of our roles, as outlined in the Bible? How do those differences play out in everyday life? Um, And how do we figure that out as culture around us changes and we kind of have to adjust what we see as the biblical difference between men and women? So I'm pretty excited to talk about this. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic. And I feel like when we got married, at least for me, a lot of it was... I had a very like narrow view on it because I thought I understood what the Bible teaches. But once you actually get into marriage and try to figure out what does the Bible teach, what does it look like for me to be in the role God has given me, like practically, uh-huh. things change and you have to like wrestle with some with some things to figure it out. And I think that we've kind of gotten to a, a different place than maybe we would have been when we first got married. Well... It's, it's kind of the classic narrative, right? Oh, we used to be so narrow, and then we broadened <laughs> our perspective. I wouldn't say For as me much at least, it's in different the as, as it is developed. Developed, yeah, that's a better word. we got into marriage, you know, having an assumption that obviously the Bible talks about the differences between men and women, and especially those differences are highlighted or made visible in the marriage relationship. Yeah. But we didn't actually have practical experience on what those differences look like on a daily basis. Yeah. So getting married, you have the general principles. Mm-hmm. And then when the you know rubber meets the road, you hit the ground running and you start trying to figure out what does this actually look like? What does it feel like? You know? Yeah. And some of the maybe cultural uh, assumptions or simple kind of um, summaries that you had in your mind, you realize, oh, they don't work as well as yeah. I thought they did. Yeah. So um, the other thing that I feel like I want to preface this discussion with is that I feel like we're we're obviously we are still um, early in our marriage. We're only seven years in. Yeah. I mean, it's not we're not newlyweds, but I having thought through this subject as much as we have, I still feel like we are just growing and developing to learn. Definitely not. This is not a discussion from those who uh, have arrived or something. Right, yeah. You know, um, this is a subject that demands wisdom in combination with biblical knowledge. And wisdom takes time to develop. There are yeah. no shortcuts to wisdom. Um, so we're not speaking as experts here. We're speaking as those who are just sharing their notes from the journey so far. Yeah. Observations, questions. So I guess the thing I want to start with, first of all, is um, just as a background for you guys, um, you know, within the Christian world, there is kind of a debate on a broader scale between two positions called complementarianism and egalitarianism. So egalitarianism argues that the Bible does not present any differences between men and women um, as rooted in the creation order. So they argue that men and women are totally the same. Uh, and then the differences in, in gender roles are the product of the fall and sin. 
And then when you become a Christian, those differences are redeemed because Jesus redeems and restores us back to a uh, God-given order, and there are no differences. So egalitarians will argue there's no difference between husband and wife. Mm -hmm. That's up to your family to decide. There's no difference between women and their roles in the church. Um, anything you see in the New Testament is just cultural. Mm -hmm. uh, and so women and men can both preach, be pastors. There's absolutely no distinctions. Mm -hmm. Complementarianism argues that the order of creation clearly shows a difference in function, in roles, not mm -hmm. a difference in value. value yeah. Both are created in the image of God. Both are created uh, equally valuable and essential in in the creation order both man and woman are humankind created to live in communion with god equal in that sense but different in their roles mm -hmm. in the way that marriage is set up mm -hmm. men are called to be leaders um, and women are called to support and submit to their leadership mm -hmm. and participate in uh you know so it's it's the Bible doesn't say that it's like, you know, um, a dictatorship where men just decide what everything happens and women just say, okay, my Lord. Mm -hmm. um, but that it is, it's a partnership in which the man has responsibility and is the leader. Mm -hmm. And the woman has a support position of submitting, guiding. Now, what does that mean? And how does it work? And how does it play itself out? Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of discussion can happen. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe what we could start out with is some false assumptions that we were working with mm -hmm. in the past and false assumptions that we've been working through in the last seven years. Yeah. One of, one of the one, I don't think I ever really had this assumption. This is kind of how we grew up in a, in a conservative Baptist Russian culture is that you get married and your husband is the leader, um, which is true, but then that automatically means the wife needs to almost be silent and not have an opinion and not share her thoughts. Kind of like you, you enter a marriage and you, might, you may have ideas and you may have thoughts, but ultimately keep them to yourself kind of because the husband yeah. is you're not the leader so he, what he go says get goes me, go fetch me my dinner woman so i mean we never really had that but that was kind of a it's like an ingrained assumption and again yeah. background wise we're coming from a background of um tr very traditional russian speaking baptist context with that have a lot of like type a like male dominance like iron fist kind of like what i say goes and no no space for women's input or whatever yeah and and the ironic thing about that is in the russian church there's a lot of there's a <laughs> lot of very, who are being very yeah. vocal um women uh, yeah. who just let their uh negative perspectives yeah. fly yeah in the community yeah so it's ironic that anytime you see like these hyper fundamentalist kind of uh, traditional mm -hmm. communities you also see the total inversion of that usually in practice like behind yeah. the scenes yeah for sure and then like on the stage 
yeah, when people are not um, chasing after like, what does the Bible actually say about my role and how can I most obey that when they stick to the tradition and what in their cultural idea of in their head is what should a marriage should be and what a man and a woman need to look like, uh-huh. things are always going to go crazy. Like it's never going to be balanced. Yeah. So, and just another clarification, you know, as we're having this discussion, we're navigating two very different worlds. Like our position, I think, as young adults who are, you know, a young family um, navigating between a traditional Russian Baptist context and an American progressive culture in the Pacific Northwest, Mm -hmm. like we really live in this polarity, like between two very different worlds. Yeah. And so some of the, we're, we're speaking here as we're trying to think out loud, we're speaking to both of those. Yeah. And it might, maybe some of our thoughts probably will challenge both of them. And, you know, so the point here is not to put out definitive conclusions, but to share some thoughts that kind of push, push the borders yeah. of everybody yeah. around us. Right. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in um, contrast to that fundamentalist, hyper, like, you know, man rules kind of mm-hmm. um, atmosphere where um, that we were raised in, we are in a culture that is hyper, like, um, on a mission to erase any distinction between men and women. Yeah. Like, the world around us is super obsessed with basically saying there's no difference between men and women. Mm-hmm. Men can do everything women can do and women can do everything men can do mm-hmm. even today if you you know if a man wants to birth a baby we mm-hmm. can do a surgery and we can make it happen like yeah. our culture is obsessed with erasing these distinctions right and a clear result of that is the destruction of the family mm-hmm. and the destruction of the families causing the destruction of society in many areas the destruction of the household we can get to that in a little bit so we're navigating two very different extremes, mm-hmm. right? So how did we start to work through this stuff for ourselves? Or how did we start to counter some of this? Or how did this come up for you? Like, uh, what, what, what were some of the early tensions? Um, I think that figuring out, you know, in early marriage, figuring out what does it actually mean for me to honor God in my submission to you? Because that word was a little bit like foreign to me. I didn't know how it's supposed to feel like what it's actually. It like. sounds harsh. Well, n- it? not submission so much, but like obedience sounds like. Obey your husband. Obey your husbands. It sounds so like, well, I had to obey my parents and they were like authoritative over me, but it didn't feel like, you know, entering marriage with you felt like a partnership. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to like honor your leadership because you are a natural leader. And I naturally felt like you just knew more about the Bible and you knew more about everything. So. I could just ask you and generally like you could lead me through things but in the day-to-day like what does it mean for me now as a wife to submit to your leadership that Mm -hmm. took a while to figure out because every decision financial you know picking a couch what are we going to eat tonight for dinner like where are we going to lead our family in the next five years when do we start having kids like all those were like a joined a joined conversation it was never it was never a, a thing of like you saying, here's what we're going to do and you not wanting to hear my input. Like it was never like that. Right. So because of that, that it made it made me feel like, well, maybe I'm not submissive enough. Maybe I just need to 
how do I, it was just hard for me to figure out how do I submit properly. And, and right. And so on my end, it's also like, well, what does it mean to lead? Like, what does that look like? So, um, you know, the question of the woman's submission, it depends highly on what it, what the man's leadership is like. Yeah. So if your leadership, if, if my leadership is non-existent, then it's impossible for you to submit to it. Uh, if my leadership is authoritarian, just demanding and dictating everything, and you just need to get in line and follow, mm-hmm. then that's what submission looks like in that leadership. Yeah. If my leadership is uh, cultivating relationship, growing in wisdom together, having conversations, asking questions, making decisions together as a family, then your submission to that means participating, participating. Yeah. And, and being excited to think with me ask questions uh you know yeah. add add your perspective your insight and also challenge anything that i'm saying that you don't really get you yeah. don't understand it doesn't mean that you're yeah. disagreeing it just means that you're wait, wait well what about this or why are we doing this right yeah i think that's a huge important point you're making that every every marriage every husband may have a different leadership style and it's never like one size fits all like with you and me, we're very like, we talk through things and not because like, not so much because you feel like you need to ask my permission, but because it's just naturally how our relationship is, our dynamic. Mm-hmm. Whereas some marriages, um, the wife prefers the husband to make the choices because it overwhelms her. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, it's just like the dynamics are so different. So knowing your husband and knowing if he likes to really own the big decisions and then like bring you in as a support Uh then your job as a wife is to for you submission will look different Uh whereas a husband who really likes to think through think out loud his whole process of decision making and leadership it's your job in submission to participate in that process um and and i think sometimes like if a husband is really quiet and seems very passive and is very kind of, um, you know, it could be frustrating for a wife when a husband's not yeah. like owning it. Of course. But that for that wife, it doesn't mean taking over his role. I think for that wife, submission looks like encouraging his leadership and finding out what encourages his leadership. Right. Finding out how can I most respect him? How can I most encourage him um, to fill his shoes better? Like that he may lead our family and that, that submission is going to look very different than another wife's. Right. And like, so one thing that this really clearly shows, um, the, 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 the role of the wife becomes so challenging and almost impossible to figure out um, when the husband doesn't know how to lead. So if the husband has a clear picture of what vision he has of what leadership looks like in his home, mm-hmm. then, and he's living that out, then mm-hmm. her job is pretty clear cut. Now, that doesn't mean that her job is simply to obey because I think one of the things that we've learned over the past few years is I think marriage is, is, a, is a partnership. We mm-hmm. think together. We are we analyze the Bible together. We analyze the world around us together. We give each other feedback. We ask questions. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's not a dictatorship. That's the most, you know, it's one of the biggest, um, you know, caricatures of, of our past culture that basically what that was a reflection of was shallow relationships between husbands and wives. Yeah. Men worked, came home, ate dinner, 
and then did his own thing. Mm-hmm. And then the, the wife did the, the, the house stuff, mm-hmm. put the dinner on the table, and then put the kids to bed. But, mm-hmm. like, what you don't see there is deep relationship, mm-hmm. deep connection, thought, you know, mm-hmm. reflection on what, what our family is doing. What, who are we as a family? What's our purpose? Where are we going? Mm-hmm. That involves conversation. That yeah. involves time together. Mm-hmm. That involves both asking questions both challenging each other and growing yeah if you don't have that then you have to have this flat uh to you know one-sided kind of leadership model Mm -hmm. okay so so before we move on one quick question then how does a wife whose husband is passive Mm -hmm. encourage him to grow in his leadership without domineering and taking over Mm -hmm. his role yeah i think that's the main thing is you don't ever take over. Like God has not called you to step into his shoes. What does that mean for her to step, step into his shoes? I think that's natural. Like it's frustrating when you're not being like, things are not being taken care of, like a financial situation, like not the bills are not being paid or whatever. Like there's no direction for what are we going to do with our kids schooling? Are we going to homeschool? Are we going to, you know, private school? What are we going to do with, when do we start having kids? How many kids? When the husband is just very like hands off, I think naturally it's human nature for, a woman to just then take over those um, decisions. But I think just really um, digging into like, what has God called me to do? And trying to own that in the best way you can. And I think that may look different in every marriage, but I think doing your role, encouraging your husband um, and waiting on him to, because eventually someone's going to have to make those decisions. Right. Someone's going to have to lead you only can get stagnant for so long before right um, decisions have to be made the husband will have to so i think if you just wait on him encourage him and say hey like you know you god has placed you in the charge of our family and i want to honor god by following you so what do Uh you think here's my thoughts but ultimately i want you to lead um and patiently prayerfully doing that is i think is the most god-honoring way to submit to maybe a passive or less authoritative husband because i think the tendency is just to take over for the wife yeah and that will just even more make the husband like hands off oh she's got this even if she's a better leader because sometimes that's the case she might be smarter better smarter gifted gifted in a lot of decision making and with money management with just overall like she's got a very organized mind and can run things better if you're not called to do that by god and women are not in a marriage in that sense of leadership so when we're talking about leadership we're talking essentially about the source of the foundational decision making process in the family yeah the one who's making the direction or yeah and so so it like in our family we we think through everything together but Mm -hmm. before god i answered to god for the decisions we make and the priorities we set right because it's on your shoulders he gave he put that in my plate right yeah so the decision making responsibility Who's the one who own, takes the blame for bad mm-hmm. decisions? Mm-hmm. Is it the husband or the wife? Who's the one who initiates new decisions? Is it the husband or the wife? Mm-hmm. The husband is supposed to be at the head of that process. Right. What are the big family questions? You know, kids, mm-hmm. schooling, spiritual growth, yeah. housing, uh, career, income. Where you go to church. All these questions, you know, the husband yeah. has to be at the forefront of opening the door to these questions, developing uh, inviting her thoughts, part- mm-hmm. you know, so obviously we participate together, we think, but the, the man takes um, the responsibility, the man takes the 
the weight and the um, blame for bad decisions too. Yeah. So another thing that I would say is um, guys grow when they're around other men uh, who lead. So the other thing that I would say is like pray for your husband and pray for him to have godly friends who will kind of kick his butt in this area and challenge him to grow. Yeah. And um, try to create that space in, in your life where... Um, he can cultivate relationships that will push him back into his role right. in, a, in a positive way. In a, in, that's how men grow. We, we grow when, through respect, through mm-hmm. inspiration and mm-hmm. aspiration and role models. Yeah. Uh, we don't, men don't grow when they're just being poked and prodded and um, Nag, like a nagging nagged. wife who's always like, you should be better at this. Nagging, and... nagging isn't going to make him be inspired to be a leader. Yeah. Only, whole, only the Holy Spirit will do that through yeah. truth and through godly relationships. Um, so uh, shifting gears a little bit, then the other picture, you know, the other thing that we were talking about was work. I think, we, you know, there was like when we got married, both of us were working full time. Yeah. In the world today, the woman who is at home is seen as um, basically living under a rock, not participating in the world of culture. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in the professional world, then you're pretty much wasting your life. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of our friends, you know, we all in our church community, we're, people are getting married, people are both working, having the baby, mm-hmm. then cutting back a little bit. Like, and it's a question. It's kind of a live question yeah. back and forth. Yeah. How um, how did we think through that and go through that process? Um, I think because I didn't want to work when I had a baby, that was like an obvious um, first. Like I just was like, I'm going to be at home with the baby. and. Um, but you didn't, but you didn't have a baby right away. No, so we were, so we both worked, and I think that's normal and healthy, you know, to to both have jobs because that is a great time to you know stabilize financially. You're just starting your new family life, and um, so we both worked, and that was a season of us um, coming home both tired and both drained. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the role, like a lot of the home homemaking. We shared the tasks, you know, like you would do a lot of the laundry. And I, it was so hard for me because and I, I came like, from a family. I was like, what is the big deal? I, I love came from a family doing with these that, things in my new The men never did the laundry. The dad, you know, came home from work and my mom would have dinner ready and everything. Like that's just not the man's job. And so it was really hard for me to like accept the help without getting like feeling like, well, that's my job and I need to be a better wife. But during that season, it was a lot of like, okay, you got home earlier. You you would start on dinner. You would, I don't know, like throw something in the oven or whatever because it, we both were working outside the home. So that was what was going on and that's okay and that's normal. Like you, you wash the dishes a lot and you vacuumed because you were when you were home, you did those things. Well, and you're making it sound okay. like I was the only one doing chores. I wasn't. You were. There was days when you were working 12-hour shifts. Yeah. And I was working eight-hour shifts. So there was a bunch of days when you didn't work at all, and I did. And there were some days when you worked really long shifts, and I came home earlier. So yeah, I'm just saying, like, I never, like, I didn't go into marriage expecting that. So when y- you would yeah. do that, that would be like super hard for me to be like. Okay, this is fine. It's right. okay you ha- to but let see, you help that's, me. But see, that's related to like this caricature maybe in your head of like, 
the housewife. Yeah. But but then but if you if you would have asked the question, if we would have asked the question right when we were getting married, do you never expect your husband ever to do any laundry or to do any cooking or cleaning? We would say, well, no, I mean it's whatever. Like he can vacuum and yeah. he can like but I guess there's this there was this like caricature of like, oh, you know, this is how it, this is this is a picture, you know, of how it works and then yeah. in reality it's it's like more fluid sometimes yeah. i would do more sometimes i would do less you know right and when you look at the biblical picture there's nothing in the bible that says you can't do more than 20% of this type of work and 40% of this type like that doesn't mm-hmm. exist yeah when we're talking about the biblical picture the bible tells us leadership submission mm-hmm. uh the the husband loves and cares the the, the wife uh submits and supports and obeys mm-hmm. so but it doesn't say anything about who's going to cook how much. It doesn't say anything about any of those things. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I do think once the season, I, I think in the overall picture of of a marriage and roles, once the kids start coming and you, you know, as a wife, I wasn't working. My job was being a homemaker and a mom. Um, then my role was much more clear and defined. It was, you know, to take care of the kids and raise them up and run the household, cook the meals, um, make my home, you uh-huh. know. And because I wasn't working outside the home, then it became a lot more clear that this is what I have to do and this is what I have to do well. This is my calling. Uh-huh. Um, and so then it becomes more... You start to fit more into that previous like two different roles so yeah Yeah. so when we got married there was a lot more overlap right and we were like well what does it mean to submit what does it mean to lead obviously you're always respecting me and we're always you know you're always you know going off of what i what i think and you know but once kids start coming it becomes a little bit more clear-cut like well somebody takes care of the kids somebody uh invests time into the home and somebody brings home most of the income Right. Yeah, and I think that's where um, people may disagree or have different opinions, but I think biblically, God has called the man to carry the financial responsibility. And yes, there are exceptions. However, I think the Bible does clearly teach like it's on the man to carry the financial responsibility and to be the provider, the protector of of the family, and the and the mom to or the wife to be the caretaker, the nurturer, the homemaker. We were designed, we were created to be better at those things. Uh-huh. And um, I don't think it's God honoring when a mom has a baby who God has like placed in you this nurturing connection to that child to, to mother it and to just make a home for it, to then leave that baby and go to work because, well, I just make more money and my husband is fine being with the kids at home more. I don't think that's the way that God in in the word has structured the family to run. Uh And again, I'm sure there are exceptions and and whatever, but I'm saying like, I think as if you have a child as a woman, that is an automatic calling to be a mom. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be at home full time or not never working, but I think majority of your time. So the book of Titus specifically says clearly says that you know older women can teach younger women, um, 
to, to love their husbands love their husbands love their homes or i forget the exact wording the exact wording Keep we don't have at the moment but yeah. the, it related to the cultivation of the home and the kids right so um you know again in our culture there's this backlash against um a, a wife who is a primary mom and homemaker and um so the problem with this idea is the home is still existent. So yeah. someone has to build the home. Yeah. Someone has to cultivate the atmosphere and the life and the culture of the home. Mm -hmm. uh, the children have to be raised. Yeah. Someone is spending time taking care of your kids. Yeah. It's either daycare or a babysitter mm -hmm. or it's or grandparents or grandparents which is a babysitter mm -hmm. or it's you the parents right yeah. so um, someone is doing this work now yeah. the question is in the general domain in the general plan of God are there indications of who's responsible for what and the clear pattern in the Bible is the wife's domain is the cultivation of the home mm -hmm. in our culture again when, when people hear that they're like oh my gosh so um you know that's so like uh debilitating for women right yeah it's but, so limiting for but, them but that is not related to a high view of woman that is related to a low view of home yeah so if you have a high view of the home what is the purpose of the home in our culture in the world in in the task of life if you have a high view of what the home is mm -hmm. the home is the place of life the home is the place of development inspiration joy celebration love and safety and and where you get nurtured and where you grow up like it is it is everything and i i've always loved that quote by mother Teresa, who said if you want to save the world go home and love your family like if you want to make the biggest impact and the biggest traumas children or into adulthood experience has to do with a broken home broken relationships in the most fundamental years of their life where they didn't have a home or the home was a scary place and right it's such a huge huge responsibility and privilege to be the one in the center of such a role and cultivating that um and building that and creating a space for your family to thrive that is no little task. That is not limiting. That's a huge task. I would say it's so much more limiting and so much more boring and lacking imagination to go work as a secretary for this company who's never going to remember you, you know, making a few, you know, minimum wage, but you're contributing to society. Well, you're contributing so much more to society by being at home with your children and cultivating a culture of love and just raising them to honor God. Um making a space for them to want to come back to to rest their souls and just to learn how to how to become people of god so our yeah our generation deeply undervalues the significance the depth and the power of the home even for stuff like relationships and hospitality and friendship right like yeah. um your life is going to be determined by the depth of your community and your friendships but friendships happen in the home right if there are no homes friendships are gonna like and that's so in our society the home has ceased to be a powerful place of cultural transformation yeah the home is n not seen as a place where um big things happen right and that's one of the big problems mm -hmm. and 
um, the the point is not women go back home and you know be on the sidelines of the big stuff. The point is that the home is where the big stuff is. Is where the big stuff happens. Yeah. Um, and, and so that calls into question the, the the husband's leadership of the home, but also the the significance of the wife's role. You know, and so and again a lot of the, the stress in our culture so the question is what do you see as success Mm -hmm. the culture basically says your success is determined by the way you've developed your career uh how high you've attained how much income you have how much uh, experience you have in your career as an individual how many opportunities do you have how many doors have you opened for yourself yeah And, and so it's a radically individualistic culture that measures success purely by the accomplishment of the individual Right, the successful woman today is the one who wears, you know, the high heels and has kids at home, is a single mom and yet managed to raise kids on her own and climb the ladder and now she's a CEO of some company. That's the ideal picture. People look up to that and they say, she got it all because she did both. She managed to do both. Yeah. But I would say she did not. Well, and, and, you know, the single mom's, are hardworking people that yes, you know you can't if single moms have to work and it's not you can't go into all the different things that make that happen yeah um and so single moms have to work extra hard we we're not going to really dive into how I'm they just say, i'm just saying that the cultural but the ideal is, is the woman who's done it all right the woman who basically does not need a man yeah because she does both yeah she provides she protects she guides she leads and she creates the home it's just that's that's just an imaginary picture because your kids are being raised by someone yeah and daycare and grandma and grandpa and babysitters um you those little years they fly by and they're gone yeah and they're fundamental yeah they shape the rest of their life and if you're gone for that you've missed out on a huge thing in your child's life and i think women um don't have enough imagination to really see this role as as big as it is mm-hmm. a lot of women see it as limiting as uh you know like a like a prison in the home where i'm stuck with these little screaming toddlers and i right. just want to get out rather than seeing this you know i am raising the future i am investing into people who are gonna create society in a few years like and this is where it pushes back against like the conservative culture where you know we see a lot of like oh i just want to be a a mom so like i can drop out of high school (laughs) i just want to be a mom and like i just drop out of high school and just hang out until i get picked off by a nice husband nice christian husband who's going to bring me money home and i'm going to be home with the kids it's like wait no no you need to go to school you need to get use all your single years yeah learn and grow in wisdom get a degree yeah so that you are a mom who has a brain? Yeah, because yeah. It children takes brains to raise kids. <laughs> raising the next generation, instructing, cultivating their hearts and minds and imaginations, creating a beautiful home atmosphere that that is a place where relationships happen and people get together and life happens and yeah. community happens. Yeah. That is a massive task, and it yeah. takes intelligence. It takes depth. It takes creativity. Wisdom. It takes in- intentionality. It takes so much more than just I'm just a mom. I'm just gonna get married and be a mom at home, so I don't have to work. It's like it is the biggest work. It is the main work of your life. 
if if you don't see if you have children and you don't see your mothering and homemaking as the biggest work of your life you're missing out on something god has called you to do and it takes a lot and it's such a huge vast uh road of opportunity and endless ideas of how to cultivate this this place where people feel loved and welcome a home that's beautiful and god honoring where there's food mm-hmm. that you're feeding not only your family but all all of your children's friends that come over and your church members and it's just such a big fundamental thing that people are just so lacking in their creativity about it that they just think i just have to manage it i sometimes have to scrub the floors and make sure the family has something to eat but really right. life happens outside of this place right that's just the main life is not in this home it's it's out there where my husband is yeah so so in this sense just like the progressive women who want to abandon the home and see the home as a hindrance to their success yeah the hyper hyper narrow uh overly conservative woman who just says well i'm just the handmaiden here and that's just all i'm gonna do and the rest of the day i'm gonna sit on the couch scrolling through instagram that woman is destroying her home just like the woman who is abandoning yeah it's two ditches on the side of the road like you're jumping from one to the other you're not embracing the calling and really being faithful in what god has given you to do you're just doing the bare minimum and thinking you're honoring god by embracing this like mundane boring bare minimum task and it's just i don't know i think it's really sad and i think there's so much more to it and i think a huge thing that has shaped me in this area is the voices that i have um let or seek sought out to speak into my into my heart about it people women who are intelligent educated who have gone to school who have gotten their degrees who read, who are authors, and yet they're pouring their hearts and entire lives and all their creativity into the home. And they're making these amazing, raising these children, making amazing communities just by being excellent at what they do as homemakers. That is what defines them. So when they go out and they speak to other younger women, you're, I'm so inspired by that, how they bake the bread and how they make this beautiful home. And it's so clean and and the, you know it's got this aroma of godliness and the kids are happy because the mom is spending time with them and really parenting them well reading to them um those kind of women are not the kind who just didn't go to school and just wanted to get married and have kids and sit at home they are they spent so much time investing into their souls for this big task of doing this with right. their life this is their life legacy and that's so inspiring so if you are letting those voices speak into you I think it's going to help you cultivate that as a mom and as a wife. Yeah. So the question is, is your home a place that people want to gather, a place where life happens, a place that invites and welcomes life, relationships, community, uh, or it's not a pleasant place? And part of that is going to be, your, a huge part of that is going to be your own mind, your heart, your cultivation, your imagination as a woman, right? Yeah. So then does this mean that women should not work? should not have jobs, shouldn't do any sort of income that comes in through their work right. outside the home. Yeah, and I think that's a big question. And I think a lot of people would say like women are not, they should never work outside the home or they should never have anything going on. I the think, husband is a provider, the woman yeah, is the homemaker. That's it. That's like black and white. There's nothing or like no other way. Um, I, 
I think that there is a lot of room for, like, I think majority of your energies should be invested into your home and children. That should take take priority. It's your primary job. It's your, pri- it's your career. So outside of your career, you're always going to have um, spaces in your life where you can cultivate other things. And I think a lot of moms are very faithful moms and homemakers who then start little businesses on the side, who have little floral shops, who are pursuing um, online fun, creative things that is bringing side income to their family, but it's all pouring back into um, their home again. So I don't think there's anything wrong with a mom working even a few days a week outside the home. Like if it, if it means, you know, her kids are her main priority and she's still spending majority of her time with them. So the question is more back to uh, what are you accomplishing through this work? Yeah. Right. It, are, is this work being done because of the faithful task of building up the life of the home, mm-hmm. the richness of the home? Or is this work, which I think a lot of young women who get married in our time today have, uh, they have this tug to get out. Right. Um, and to they see the home as an unhappy place to be. And there's a tug to get out and to do something for myself. Right. It's almost like a carving out of, of, of out to carve myself away from the family and to have something of my own. Right. Uh, my own thing, my own Which income, my also, own. So there could be a little, like, not to say that if there's, there's a mom who, whose husband wants her to get out of the home just for that refreshment of like you know like four hours of doing some maybe she works a shift somewhere like at a bakery or you know whatever and that's so fulfilling to her and she enjoys it and it gives her a break Mm -hmm. that's still um that's still pouring back into the home because then she comes back feeling refreshed if that's the goal then that's good but when you are doing it to get out get away just to have your own time and then it doesn't motivate you to get back into your home, back to your kids. Right. That's the problem, I think. Right. So if a woman is seeing the beauty of the home as not a beauty and not something that is her calling, but rather um, something that is unpleasant, an unpleasant task. Right. um, And she's trying to satisfy her work and her joy, uh, her desire to be productive somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, That becomes harmful to the life of the home because... Who's building the home, right? Yeah. Um, it also becomes harmful to her own mindset in um, how she sees herself. What is her role in the family, mm-hmm. right? Is it just the same as the husband mm-hmm. or is it different in a distinct and beautiful way, Yeah. right? So it becomes harmful when the kids are neglected. It becomes yeah. harmful when the home is neglected. Yeah. That's going to require a bunch of different nuance from every different family. Yeah. Every family has to look at their situation and ask the question why and how and for what. And, you know, that that's, it doesn't mean that women can't pursue like a creative ability that they have and the family can involve itself as a task together. You know, like you were doing flowers for a bit and it yeah. wasn't like a you did a few weddings. It wasn't like a, a thing that our family had to like suffer. We It was more of like a family project. We were like together. You did it yeah. for a little bit and then you're like, oh, actually, this is too much. I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. Like, so but I'm there's always no doing hard line on the side. And I think a lot of women and families are being very God honoring in their way of in, in the way that the wife is having out like work outside the home because 
clearly the women or the, the children are her priority. Her home is beautiful, taken care of. She delights in her children. She delights in the homemaking role. Uh-huh. She does it very well. And also she's able to work outside the home a few days a week where the husband is at home with the children. Their schedules make it work. And I think that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. Or there's nothing, they're not dishonoring God. And I think maybe culturally, a lot of times we look at that and we're like, that's not right. She's working a few, you know, several hours a week and she has kids. Well, is she honoring God with her priorities? Right. It, it, it all depends how. If you're mean. dumping your kids constantly on someone else yeah. and just pursuing your own thing, then yes. But if what you're doing, you see clearly as a, this is part of my embrace of my mission in the home. Yeah. Is is the home being neglected or is the home being cultivated? Right. That's the question. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, that different families can have different seasons in their life. Yeah. But Proverbs 31 clearly talks about this vision of like the strong, uh, godly woman mm-hmm. and her roles and her functions are out in the marketplace, mm-hmm. investing money, buying this and mm-hmm. that, uh, making financial investments and returns, mm-hmm. uh, building up the home, mm-hmm. making the home, you know, like a beautiful, wonderful place. Yeah, making and, her husband look good, her kids look good with the way she's, you know, hustling and, and making these moves. And But clearly it's all being poured into her main calling. So before we're closing up, I think another question, what about single people? What do they do right now? How, do, how does how does single, uh, I guess the whole conversation has been about the role of women. Mm-hmm. How do single young women cultivate and, and, and cultivate womanhood um, in their singleness? Does that mean that they don't need to do anything, go to school or? Yeah, I really don't like when that's the attitude people embrace. Like, why do I need to go to school? why do I need to go to college if I'm just going to be a mom? Well, it's like, that is one of the biggest, greatest callings on planet Earth, to be a mom. Well, and it's also a complex calling that requires you to grow and deepen your mind. It takes a lot of intelligence and energy. So whatever you can do to pour yourself into creating in yourself, cultivating in yourself healthy habits of hard work, um, love of knowledge, uh, just understanding the world better like you're single you make the most of your time grow in in your skills and your abilities and don't limit yourself with like well the future is so simple for me why do i need to spend time or energy into cultivating an an education or even growing myself yeah you're either gonna be spending that time growing and deepening your mind and your heart or you're gonna spend that time making minimum wage at Dairy Queen or whatever. Like yeah. you're, you, after high school, you do something. Right. And so you might as well invest into your future rather than just going for a quick solution that is essentially laziness. It's it's just seeking immediate comfort. Oh, I can just get a job right now, make money and be more comfortable rather yeah. than thinking ahead and thinking, you know, I want to deepen myself. I need, I need to grow. I need to equip myself and and you know so that I could be a deeper stronger more fruitful person maybe also just to add for single women like in the single season like cultivating a hard-working mindset that serves the community yeah involved in relationships in the church involved in the life of the church giving serving learning to work hard and do good for people around yeah. you in very practical ways cultivate the heart of um, of the home the the table fellowship, community, like if you prize these things, you will find a thousand different ways to cultivate these things around you. Yeah. Uh, invest into relationships 
um, good conversations. Um, like there's so there's a thousand ways that a young woman can learn and embrace the tasks that are all individually linked to the the wife and the mother that a young woman who is not a wife or a mother can totally excel in those tasks right uh, rather than just sitting around and waiting for a husband to gallop on in well and waiting until those tasks are now in your face and now you're like i never learned how to embrace this yeah i never learned to prioritize never learned to you know if you spend your single years just living for yourself drinking your ice latte sleeping until 10 30 every day working a minimum wage job just to be able to like have enough money to do your nails and eat out with your friends when you don't prioritize living for other people, serving your local church, um, loving other people well, prioritize even learning to be better in the home, better, like learn from your mom how to cook and clean and all that stuff. Like once you're married, that's going to be so much harder for you because you're going to feel like all of a sudden you can't live for yourself the way you've spent the last five years doing. Mm-hmm. And now you're there's demands on you that you've never practiced. Uh And it's that much harder to lay down your life and that much harder to just serve your family. But cultivate Uh that. And there's so many women. I'm so encouraged by a lot of the single women around me who are basically doing the things that I do in my home, but they're living alone or with roommates. And they're constantly hosting. They're loving people well. They're cooking for other people. They're cleaning. They have a beautiful home. They're living this life that's very prioritizing the home Uh prioritizing loving people and it's just like that transition into motherhood into marriage life will be so much smoother for them because they have valued those things now they're pursuing those things now yeah and i think god blesses that so i think the two words that kind of come to my mind as i'm thinking about like summarizing the qualities is for both you know in marriage and before marriage um faithfulness and fruitfulness yeah you know like you need to be faithful to god's call like do you embrace god's creational order do you believe Mm -hmm. it to be a good thing Mm -hmm. or a rigid or harmful thing like do Mm -hmm. you believe it that it's the thing that unleashes our full potential or do you believe that it's harmful Mm -hmm. or limiting Mm -hmm. you know so like are you faithful are you are you embracing that call and then fruitful are Mm -hmm. do you seek to be fruitful in all areas in all seasons to produce to to work hard yeah uh, and to make the most with every season that you have Mm -hmm. some seasons that means that you're just barely surviving three toddlers yeah some seasons it means like when the kids are a little older and they're going to school you have a little more time it means that like keep getting busy keep working hard keep producing don't just sit on the phone a lot of you know uh, the temptation of technology is just, you know, to just spend your your time on social media. And, and calling and, that faithfulness, well, because I'm at home, I'm not working out there in the world, and I'm taking care of my kids at home, and the food is made, and the house is clean, so I'm just going to spend all my extra time scrolling through Instagram. And I think that's a huge temptation for us moms, rather than pursuing something, just being productive with our time, being faithful with all the opportunities God has given us. And sometimes it's like crazy how much you could produce and get done with being at home with kids i mean most of the time when they're little it's it's an intense season of that's just all you can handle is Uh dealing with the little babies and the little toddlers but then there's a new season and things get a little bit less intense and then you're able to do a lot more with being at home and i think people don't see it that way they don't embrace that and they're just like well this is my job i'm at home with the kids like i just take care of them and i cook the meals and they just don't 
they kind of limit themselves and they don't think outside the box. They don't pursue other, even pursuing friendships in the church, pursuing discipleship, like mentoring younger girls, inviting them over to to your home and spending time and pouring into their lives, you know, cultivating their theology of the home and inspiring them and, you know, learning from older women, learning how to be better crocheters or knitters or whatever you might enjoy. Um, don't limit yourself with just cooking the meals, like learn to cook better meals, learn to be creative with your recipes, you know, repaint some old furniture, like whatever you're interested in, pursue Mm -hmm. those things because, um, it's not a limiting task. There's endless possibilities. You can't box it into one thing and say, this is my role. End of story. Like life change, life seasons change, culture changes, opportunities come and go. And you have to be responding to that with faithfulness and fruitfulness, you know? So, yeah. And I think like in conclusion, ultimately we are, we're all going to be very dissatisfied until we really embrace the calling God has given us. Sometimes it takes a little bit of wrestling to figure out exactly what it is, but there was a lot, a big season where I felt so trapped in my role and I didn't want to just, it was so difficult for me because I like, I was resisting what God was giving me and I didn't want it. And that made me so miserable, but understanding that God knows you better than you could possibly imagine for yourself. Like he knows Mm -hmm. what the truest you is and he's shaping you into something, embracing whatever he's giving you and like being the best version of yourself you can be in that role is going to bring you ultimate satisfaction because that's what he's doing in your heart. That's obedience and that's where joy is rather than pursuing your own selfish desires and resisting the work God is doing in your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for men too, the role, when you embrace the role God has given you faithfully, whatever way it looks in your life, there's joy and satisfaction in that rather than pursuing or sliding into our own versions of what we think we need or want. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to the Well Said Podcast. Uh, if you have any thoughts on the episode, feel free to reach out and let us know what you think. We're over on Instagram and Facebook or check out well-said.org. And you can find out more articles, more episodes there. It's kind of the central uh, home for the podcast and the blog. There's also a little support tab there if you wanted to check out and pitch in a couple bucks, help this thing keep going. Uh, You can check that out. Also, check out the YouTube channel we recently released. And we're putting up more and more videos, uh, more interviews, and more kind of resources there. And that's just the Well Said Podcast on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and we will be back to talk to you again soon.